Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of somebody's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that help craft their delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Today's guest, Carrie Gibson, wrote a book called Never Alone in the Darkness, The Shared Journey of Losing a Child. This conversation is very deep and Carrie's story is, for lack of a a better word, simply amazing. Um, She shares what it's like to lose a child. And at the end, we do tiptoe into some discussion around the financial consequences of that and, and not understanding what needs to be done when somebody passes away financially. I think it, this is a longer podcast and, and I just think that you're gonna get lost in the conversation just like I did. Her story is amazing. Her book is amazing. I would encourage anybody to read this. Uh, it, it will help you in so many aspects of your life, not just in losing a child, but what to say to somebody when they've lost any loved one. Please grab your favorite beverage. And in this case, uh, Carrie does mention her favorite is Dr. Frank's uh, Riesling. So in honor of her, I grabbed a glass at the end of this conversation and definitely drink to her story. So sit on back, enjoy your favorite beverage and, and listen to Carrie's story. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being a guest. Um, I, I am really interested in this conversation. A friend of mine and a friend of yours, Nancy Regelsberger, introduced the two of us. Uh, you were kind enough to send me your book, for which I read the majority of it. Didn't quite get through all of it on holiday, but most of it. Um, really touched my heart. Um, there were times where I had to put it away for a few moments and come back to it. I am so thankful for you taking time to uh, be on this show and to share your journey. But of course, before, as you know, before we go there, I would love to know if you have a favorite wine that people should enjoy while they're listening to the show. Yes. And first of all, thank you, Amy, for having me. Um, my favorite wine is Dr. Frank's Riesling. I actually had the opportunity to meet Margaret Frank, who was, um, the son of the original Dr. Frank. And yes, and what a lovely lady. So I was introduced to the wine that way and fell in love with not only her, but the Riesling. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I have limited, I'm, I'm not a huge Riesling fan, um, but there are limited Rieslings in the New York state region that I will actually, you know, say, yes, that is one that I would, I would drink um, because it's got the German. Yes. Uh, that the German um, processing I guess you want to say winemaking craft behind it. And I'm very partial to that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And well, they're very German. <laughs> <laughs> look, at their, look at their last name, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> first. Constantine, yes. Yeah. Well, so th- that's what people should uh, pause for a moment. Go grab a glass of Riesling, preferably Dr. Frank's, uh, in honor of Carrie's podcast recording. <laughs> uh, but I, I, as I mentioned at the intro, I'm, I'm very interested in your journey. And when I talk to people about um, the goal of this podcast, it's to celebrate the differences that we all have in life and to explore the influences that that we've all had that have crafted our, what I say is delicious lives. Um, You have a story that I think a lot of people need to hear. Um, There's parts of it that are absolutely stunning, delicious. And there's parts that are stressful to the vineyard. If you want to say that Um, they Mm -hmm. challenge the vineyard in a lot of ways. So I would love for you to um, share. um, First of all, uh, how the back, your background and how your book was, how it came to fruition and, and the story behind that. Okay. Um, I actually, when I was younger, I did a lot of traveling. My father was in professional baseball and we moved around the country a lot. Um, I went to a couple schools a year and always came back to Dansville as home base um, excuse the pun, uh, but um, it it was always the that was our house was there. Um, I had lived in New Jersey for the first nine years of my life, and then Dansville became permanent home after that. But when I was moving around, it, you can imagine it's hard to meet friends, especially when you're younger and you're only in a school for like three months at a time. So I started to write, and I fell in love with writing when I was about nine or 10 and would write stories all summer long. So that's where my love of writing came from. Um, As I got older, uh, I I had one year in one school and that was in my senior year and that was in Danceville. So I didn't have to switch schools that whole year, which was great. Um, But I didn't like the lifestyle then, but boy, am I grateful for it now because I pretty much know somebody in every state in the country, including Hawaii and Alaska. Um, so That's that, journey. Yeah, yeah, it's been kind of beneficial. Um, I always joke that, you know, I could probably go any state in the country and stay overnight with somebody. <laughs> that definitely has its benefits. And, and because I'm a writer, I keep in touch with everybody. So okay. I, those friendships have lasted for years and years where most times they, you know, will disappear oh. or fade out. Um, I ended up, uh, I had my, I have two boys. Um, my, my oldest son was born in 1988 and I was a single mother. Um, and I raised him on my own and, uh, did, you know, great. I had wonderful, wonderful family support. I had two brothers and a sister 
that my brothers kind of filled the void of, and my father as well, of the paternal aspect. And that was great. Um, of course, my mom was all, was around, but she was also with my father at that point because at that point he was with the Blue Jays. So Toronto is pretty close to Dansville, so she was back and forth. So I did all that and um, on my own, and then we moved to Rochester, and I met this wonderful man, and he fell in love with my child, I think, before he oh, fell in love with me. And I think my son, my son actually used to say to me, his name was Jeffrey, and he used to say all the time, um, if, if anything happens with, with you and Daryl, I'm going with Daryl. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> so um, then, you know, we got, we ended up getting married at, in 94 and we had our uh, child together in 99. And my oldest was 11 at that time. And of course, both boys used to always joke that they wanted a brother and I said, you have a brother, but because there's 11 years difference, <laughs> it was understandable. So um, I had always worked full time and I had run dental offices. I'd had a variety of jobs. Uh, I tended to get bored at jobs. And then I ended up um, when I was married and my oldest was a junior. No, he was a senior in high school. My husband talked to me about going back to college. I had taken a couple college courses, but I went back for my degree and I got my bachelor's. Uh, I received that in 2010 in community health and human services. And then I, my husband would not let me stop until I got my master's. Mm -hmm. And I went on and got my master's in healthcare administration. And so I, and I did it in one year. Wow. I did a master's program in one year. Yes. And I did maintain a 4.0 through bachelor's and Masters. I'm bragging a little bit here, but it's <laughs> okay, brag. quite an accomplishment. Yes, it is. And it's tough. Even well, especially when you have well, kids. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, you know, our brains just don't work the same as they did when. Exactly. It's, different. it's, it's challenging. I mean, I, I went to college when I was 18 and then I went back to college when I was in my thirties and it, your brain processes things very differently. <laughs> Right. Well, and the other thing too, is that you also appreciate the money yes. you're spending a little bit more. So you put the energy into it. And because I love to read and I love to write, college was easy for me, really, because I love to read and write. And if you can do those, you can be successful in college, you know? So um, that's the biggest part to me that I found of school. So anyway, I did that. And then um, I had I had a job in Paint and Post. I worked for Emeritus Senior Living as the okay. executive director, yeah. mm -hmm. assisted living, and um, over in Gang Mills. And I loved the job, loved the people I worked with. It's now Brookdale. Mm -hmm. um, I left because it was a 24-7 job. And my son, my youngest son, uh, was in ninth or 10th grade at that point. And my husband and I just decided, I need to be home. I, I actually rented an apartment in Paint and Post for six months out of the year and stayed down there because you have to be nearby mm -hmm. and you can't just, you know, as you know, with the weather yeah. up here, you never know yeah. what you're going to get. So I lived down there and went home on the weekends and that was hard. So um, we just decided that it would be best if I uh, it's just left the, left the workforce for a little bit. 
So then my son graduated uh, in 2017 and graduation was on the 25th of June, which happened to be my oldest son's birthday. And he came home for graduation. We had a beautiful celebration of his birthday because my youngest son's birthday was supposed, or a graduation party was supposed to be on the 8th of July. And he had agreed to, no problem, let's celebrate Jeff's birthday since he's home from Rochester and he wasn't going to be able to make it to the graduation party. Everything was perfect that day. Had family around, everything, both sets of grandparents. On the 7th of July, I'm getting ready for a graduation party the next day with 150 people Mm -hmm. coming. And there's a knock at my door and the police are there telling me that my oldest son has passed Mm -hmm. away. So my vineyard was shut down immediately, (laughs) so to speak. I mean, everything changed that day. And I remember reading um, in the book that you wrote, uh, um, and if I didn't say it, just to make sure I I did did say it, um, for those of you that are wondering what I'm referring to, because I, I Sorry, I can't remember if I said this in the intro, but the book is called Never Alone in the Darkness, The Shared Journey of Losing a Child. And I remember reading about that day, and I believe there was maybe a bleach incident or something. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I was making, I had five pounds of macaroni salad to make for the graduation party the next day. And I had gotten all of it done. Now, I... I don't use bleach. I never used bleach in my house or my laundry. I used it to clean the drains in my sinks, in bathrooms and kitchen sink. And I used um, vinegar, white vinegar for either cooking or as um, a, a fabric softener in your washer instead of fabric softener because it's it cleans not only your washing machine pipes and everything, it also is better for your laundry. So I was doing that and I went over to grab the vinegar to make the fifth pound of macaroni salad. And I'm sitting there stirring up this food and I'm like, where, we don't have a swimming pool. Where's the smell coming from? And all of a sudden I looked at the bottle on the table and I I literally, I, I couldn't move. I froze. I thought, oh my gosh, I almost killed all my guests. That was bleach I put in my salad. So, of course, my husband and my other son come running in to say, what's wrong as I'm yelling and, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And they're like, relax, it's it's okay. And they're laughing hysterically. And, of course, that led into the teasing for the rest of the morning. And I threw it away and had to remake and everything else. But um, And then my husband said, you haven't eaten. And I said, eaten? I'm not even dressed yet. And and uh, he said, yeah, how long have you been up? And I said, since like five and he said, you need to get some food into you. So he made me grab a leftover sub, which I thought, oh, this is so disgusting. But I sat down and I ate it. I started to eat. I took two bites and there's a knock at the door. And it was the police. And my husband comes in and says, the police are here to see you. And I said, are you kidding me? Seriously? Really? I'm here in my pajamas. <laughs> I'm not even dressed yet. And I was so angry. That, that they interrupted. You know, why are they yeah, here? Yeah. Exactly. And so then when I walked into the living room, um, I, there's a school bus. Our neighbors across the street used to drive 
and pick up. It was one of the small school buses. And it used to irritate me because it was on the other side of our fence. So every day I got up and had to look at this Bloomin' School Bus. And my husband was certain I did something to the school bus. And that's why the police were there. And I said, I didn't, as, as they're telling, the police are telling him, let her get something around her. I said, grab me a blanket. So I'm grabbing this blanket and throwing it around me. And I said, I didn't do anything to the school bus. And, and my husband says, are you sure? I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, if I really wanted to do something, I would have called the police on and had them tow it out. I wasn't, I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> and he goes, well, I don't know why else they're here. And then sure enough, they told us that my son had died in Rochester and they had absolutely no details for us. Um, it was ridiculous. A lot and that's the hard part, right, of your, I mean, okay, so first of all, I shouldn't say that's the hard part, but it's the, the notification of your son gone. Yes. And they didn't tell you why. They just said they found him. They gave my husband a miniature, um, an index card, and said, you need to call the Arondequoit Police Department. And I said, and I, at that point, I wasn't even hearing anything really. At that point, um, all I kept thinking is it's not the same Jeff Sullivan. It's a different Jeff Sullivan from another town. It's not because there was another Jeff Sullivan in the nearby town. And they've got the wrong kid. So I wasn't, I wasn't like thinking, I, I was actually thinking this is ridiculous. This is so stupid because mm-hmm. it's not my kid. And then when they checked, I said, are you sure you have the right one? There's another one in the other town. And, and they said, asked if it was his address. And I said, yes, that's his address. And so then it was like real. And then everything just kind of went, I, it was weird. It was like, I was looking at spots on my mm-hmm. glass door thinking I have to get that clean before all these people come. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, it's like, you're looking through water. Everything mm-hmm. is, everything was like watery, but they weren't tears. I hadn't cried. And because you're just in disbelief. And then you're like, well, where is he? What I have to, I have to talk to his girlfriend. Um, my younger son, I blatantly came out and just said, Jeff's gone. You know, I called him out into the living room and said, Jack, Jeff's gone. And that's how I told my child. His brother was gone. And I thought, who does that? You know, but it, you're not, you're not really there. And it's, it's almost like this motor takes over in you and just starts doing things. And then I thought if, if these guys leave, all this won't be true. And I really actually believe that. And I kept telling my husband, get them out of here. And I went in the other room, tried to call my son's girlfriend. She wasn't answering. And the weird thing is the day my son died was he and his girlfriend's sixth anniversary. It was one of my son's best friend's birthday. And it was also my brother's birthday who he was named after. So it was like, really? Of all the days, and and I had 150 people come into a party the next day. Um, amazingly, uh, thankfully, I have a brother who um, is is a retired funeral director. And so my husband, after trying to get through to the police department in Rochester, was like, which was no help. All you get is constant you know, answering machines, press this button, press this. And then nobody could tell us anything. The person we need to talk to, nobody could put us in touch with. And he was getting furious. 
And my parents, I, I didn't write about this in the book, but my parents were on their way to New Jersey to my aunt's funeral. I mean, it was like, it was just like a, a, a total domino, everything that could possibly have gone wrong. You know, I mean, they were in the car on their way to the Jersey Shore for my mother's sister's funeral, who died on July 4th. <laughs> and my son died on July 7th. Um, then on top of that, my husband's parents were at Letchworth camping and we couldn't get a hold of them. So it was just crazy. It was like, and, and then all of a sudden, my, my brother just kind of took over and thankfully and made calls and stuff. Um, and, I, and I don't, I just remember him telling me, you need to get in the shower. There's going to be a lot of people here. And, and that's about, I got in there and I think it was the alone time that it actually hit me. But then, and then I walked out of the shower and there were all these people in my house and I'm like, oh my gosh, where did all these people come from? And they were all my friends. I have the most amazing, incredible group of friends and they were all there. So, I mean, I know you mentioned that your, you said your brother-in-law, right? Was a funeral director? Your brother, I'm sorry. Your brother, my brother. was a funeral yep, director. My brother and so he he knew what needed to be done. He stepped in. He knew what needed to be done. Yes. He was able to take that pressure, for lack of a better word, off from your shoulders. And I've often wondered. Absolutely. Um, the, I mean, I've certainly lost family uh, in my life. And I, I, I've... As I've gotten older, I watch what people say and do when there's a loss of a loved one. I've never really understood when people say he's in a better place or she's in a better place or, um, you know, uh, those kinds of things like those statements. And, and, And when people say it or have said it to me because I've lost a family, I'm like, what? (laughs) what are you talking about like that's that's not what i needed to hear right now or that's you know exactly i've observed this human trait that seems to happen when when people lose a loved one and i'm real guarded about what i say to people because i I remember um when my father-in-law passed away you know people said that a lot to my mother-in-law um you know he's in a better place he's not in pain it was a totally different situation but you know some of that terminology and um you you know just different like we're sorry for your loss of course of course that's true people are sorry that you lost somebody in a of course, when somebody's in pain, it's better that they're not. But those are things that I'm now very, very cautious about what I say because it didn't feel like he was a better in a better place. And it didn't feel like people were sorry. I mean, it just didn't feel that way. I, I've often wondered what the right thing is to say. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Um, sometimes instead of saying something about them being lost, I think, and, and gone or where they are, maybe just, I'm sorry for your loss. If there's anything you need, we're here because, or I, or I loved him 
or he was loved or he made me laugh or something like I I don't think people realize that when especially when a mom is grieving the one thing you don't want to hear is that they're in a better place because the best place for them to be would be right next right, to right. that moment maybe you they're in a beautiful place maybe cuz it's definitely not better mm-hmm. <laughs> in your mind right. um i mean we all know realistically down the road yes absolutely heaven is a better place but it's not it's not at that moment, the worst thing you could a better place. Are you kidding me? The best yeah. place my child could be is right here with me. And there's nothing better than that. Or heck, I even wrote in the book about, hey, Hawaii, Aruba would be a better place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. if you want to say that, I mean, it's, it, it's not the same. And people, you have to remember something. When people say things to you or say, um, time will take care care of things or it's God's plan mm-hmm. or um, have you gotten over it yet? That's, oh, a, that's a lovely yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard that from somebody and I was like, really? Um, and I write about that in the book. Um, but I think what we as the grieving people need to realize, nobody's trying to hurt us. There's not a soul that is talking to us that wants to hurt us. They're trying to help us and make us feel better. Unfortunately, that takes um, a span of time to realize because all you feel at that point when they make those comments is anger. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion to somebody would be, I'm so sorry for your loss. If there's anything that you need to talk or to sit with you, Mm -hmm. sometimes just sitting Mm -hmm. with somebody and not saying a word does more for us than anything or even offer like can i call you next week exactly you know those so so and you wrote about this a little bit in there that i think you said even your i was thinking brother-in-law but i think you said even your brother who was the funeral director he didn't even know how to like talk to you like what to say to you and and this is his profession right so he didn't even know and the hard part with that is that as a funeral director you're trained for the first week. You're not trained for the days right. after. And I and that it took me a long time to understand that because I was thinking, really? I have to like guide, you know, guide through. Mm-hmm. They're they're trained and and they're of course they have a little bit they have tr- they have massive amounts of training with grief, of course. But he because he was so close to the situation and my son that makes it a little different. Mm-hmm. And, and yet he also doesn't have children. Mm-hmm. So as trying to get worrying about me, his sister, he's trying to get me to move forward mm-hmm. and to feel better. Just as I wrote in the book about like my parents, my parent, my mother kept trying to get me out. Mm-hmm. She kept trying to get me to go places. Um, let's go to dinner. Where are we going? Can't we just eat here at my house? I would say. Mm-hmm. And she'd say, Well, we thought we'd go down to Jack's Gaslight. And I'm like, I really don't want to leave the house. I don't want to see people, Mom. Well, and then she'd call me, Do you want to go to Mass? Or there's a Mass being said for Jeff. Do you want to come? And of course I wanted to go, but I couldn't. So I finally got to the point where I was like, All right, I've got to say something to her because she's, she's really pushing mm-hmm. and I'm not ready to be pushed. Mm-hmm. And 
then it dawned on me, she's my mom. Just as I was grieving, and I talk about that in the book, mm-hmm. you know, just as I was grieving about my child, she's grieving not just the loss of a grandchild, but the the grief of her child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. That makes it a little different. And that's the same with my brother and sisters, mm-hmm. or my brothers and sister. You know, I mean, they they all wanted to make things better for me, but it wasn't, nothing was going to make it better. And, and so, you mentioned... And I, I appreciate that. And, and in your situation, what made that even more complex was that you had to wait nine months to find yeah. out what really caused his death. And um, And you and I were talking before and, you know, that no matter what, he was young and and that's not the order that things happen, right? Right. It's it's not the order. It doesn't... The the other phrase that um, I hear sometimes when I'm visiting people that are, you know, having call-in hours or whatever is, uh, or even after, sometimes soon after, well, things can get back to normal now. And I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm like, if only, if only. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if people that say that haven't experienced grief or the loss of somebody to realize that there's no normal. No, After. it's a, what they call a new normal. Yeah, I've heard that and, phrase, but I, I just, there's, life has changed. Normal is absolutely <laughs> Yeah. And we don't want it. We, we didn't ask for it to change. There was nothing wrong with my life the way it was. I was very happy with the way my life was. And I was, and that there's where the anger and they call it, and I talk about this in the book as well, the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're very real, but I don't like the term stages mm-hmm. because that that represents linear to me mm-hmm. that they occur in an order. Yeah. There's no order with grief. Nothing is orderly about it. And it jumps all over and you've got emotions that, I mean, anger is probably the number one that I dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly at God and anger that, you know, why did this all have to happen? And mm-hmm. why me? Mm-hmm. And that is a question you'll, you'll never get an answer to mm-hmm. in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so, it's just so ironic to me, bizarre that you end up teaching your children to ask why for everything. <laughs> and they get answers when they're young. As adults, we don't get our answers. And um, But the stages that you go through, uh, it, it, they're not linear, and I wouldn't call them stages. I would say they're concepts of grief um, because they do actually happen, but you need to understand how they happen and deal with them and, and at each occurring moment. Uh, because you you go from grief to denial to to acceptance to okay this is real today and I'm going to get this and then the next day it all just blows up again and you're right back to square one. So and believe me, as a grieving parent, all you want to do is have it be linear. Okay, I've done this today. Tomorrow <laughs> I'm going to go through that. <laughs> yeah. If all you know, if it was that would be make life so much easier for us, but it doesn't happen that way. And, and I know you know sometimes it's it's you. Know, it's, two steps back, two steps forward, six steps back, right? Yes. Some, something you hear or see or a memory can cause that to, to completely revert to 
the prior quote unquote stage that exists. And, and I, and I believe you in the book, you made the comment about, um, Con- that's how control freaks like it. They like that. Yeah. <laughs> like order. That. We so, like order. So, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I am a type, I'm a type A personality. I like things in order. I, um, I can tackle anything that's thrown at me, but everything is systematic and orderly. Um, I'm extremely over-organized to a fault. I mean, I remember going to job interviews and people would say, what's your What's your um, best quality? And I'd say organization. What's your worst quality? The exact same thing. Because unfortunately, when you throw an organized person, you throw everything off, then you are irritated and it kind of ruins your day. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I was living and which made it even more difficult to handle things when you're used to the order. Um, There's no order when you lose a child. There's Mm -hmm. absolutely no order. Your world's been turned upside down. Every it's like a, it's almost like a um, snow globe, you know. You shake it, and it, things will settle. But as soon as you pick it up and and oh, it looks so pretty when it's falling, but then it's not so pretty. And then you shake it again, and it's all chaos again until everything settles. There's no, there's no um, end. There's no end to it. And, and one of the things that you wrote as to why you wrote this book is that you didn't. You're going through all of this. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, all these things that you're talking about, you're going through them. And there was no reference point. There was no <laughs> resource that you could go to that said, um, you know, that you, you felt, I think the title of the chapter that sort of said it for me was The Depths of Darkness. Yeah. When I, I read that chapter, it's a the, cha- the thing about your book that I like is that it's really digestible um, chapters. You know, you can you can mm-hmm. read a chapter, set it down, and pick pick right back up. It, it, they're nice. Now that they're short, <laughs> they're, they're linear, and you know they 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 make a point and they end, and then you go into the next point that you make. And, they end. and for me, for so I'm a te- technical writer myself, and so for me to read a book like that is very digestible because I can read a section be done with that section for, you know, today and then go back to another section. So I, I liked the layout of the book, but I remember, um, I remember reading that title that the depths of darkness and, and reading that section and saying that um, you felt like you were just constantly tiptoeing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got your book in e-form because of the timing of, of this discussion and wanting to have, access to it plus all the crazy Amazon thefts that were taking place right. around this time. Right. And I, I um, highlighted that in preparation for our discussion. I highlighted that. And when I went back to it to review for today's discussion, I felt the same way today that I felt about it when I, I highlighted it. Um, because I thought that it was the most descriptive way that I'd ever read somebody describing their their loneliness um that they're they just that depths of darkness i thought was a really good explanation of what somebody feels uh when they when they're in a grief stage and i use the word stage you can see me but i was using i understand that (laughs) (laughs) um air quotes around that but but because, and then it goes on to say nighttime is the worst, right? So it, it is. So when you talk about those stages, as you were talking about earlier, and then you're talking about, 
you, you just don't flip that switch. You might be okay during the day, but then nighttime comes along and then you might be okay again during the day. And then nighttime comes along and it's a constant tiptoeing around was the phrase you used. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you wrote, the, and I thought to me, because you put in the, the early stages of the book that that's, there was nothing that you could go to. And when I read this chapter, that to me described more about why you wrote this book than anything else. Like it just right. really dug into the meat and potatoes of why this book was written. You talked about physical, actual physical pain. Yes. You, you know, you talk, so, so I'd love to just dig um, a little bit deeper into that. If, if that's okay with you. Sure. sure. Um, you, uh, again, I, this was the chapter that I just kept going back to and you talk about physical pain and broken heart and lousy luck. And these are some of the terms that I, I highlighted when I was reading it. Um, deep sadness, deep, deep sadness. And you didn't have anybody or anything that you could go to, to say, is this normal? for lack of a better word. When, when you're pregnant and everybody tells you buy this book, buy that book, go read on this. And I think everybody and their brother has, um, you know, the book, the pregnancy books that tell you what to expect for the first nine months. And then when your baby comes, they tell you go buy this to teach you how to raise a child, blah, you know, on and on at different stages of that child's life. There's nothing that tells you how to let a child go. There's nothing that, tell, that tells you how to disconnect the emotion or how to bury a child. Um, you know, there's no, there's no guide. We rely on funeral directors to help us get through that portion of it on, you know, what to do. And they pretty much take over. But then it's like, now what? Now what do I do? You feel like you're going to be sick every minute of every day. Um, your brain, you feel like you're crazy. You, and, and I'll, I'll guarantee you, if you ask any mother who's lost a child at some point during that, she's felt like she's losing her mind. Um, nothing feels real. Uh, days drag, you watch the clock and you just pray for the day to be over so that you can go crawl back into bed. Leaving your house is like, uh, I would get in the car and just drive to like go to the grocery store and not even be able to make it a block down the road, have to turn around, and come back because I just didn't want to deal with conversation with people because I knew all you do is cry. And of course, as time goes on, you still are crying, but sometimes those tears are not sad tears. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those tears are happy tears because you're remembering things that make you smile. Um, at that point, at the beginning, you don't ever feel like you'll ever feel joy again. You don't know how people can laugh and enjoy life. Uh, at one point, I actually thought the pain was so bad. And I talk about this in the book that I could drive into a field and that would end my life. And I would, the pain would be gone. And I'm not a suicidal person. I just didn't want to deal with the pain. And I then would be with my son. Um, of course, then I thought, well, with my lousy luck, I'll end up having to have my husband. I won't die. My husband will have to take care of me for the rest of my life. And that would just really stink too. 
that's the way my luck felt. (laughs) I remember you wrote in there, with my lousy luck, I'd be paralyzed for life and Daryl would have to take care of me. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, and then, of course, again, when when you're with people in your life that you love, they all deal with grief differently. And I was, I went home and told my husband how I felt and he was angry with me. Mm -hmm. Um, He understood why I felt that way, but he was angry because I would do that to him and to Jack. How could Mm -hmm. I do that? Mm -hmm. And I said, but you don't understand. I'm, I'm not doing anything to you. I'm just tired. Mm -hmm. You know, you get so tired and you feel like, I mean, I guess there actually is a syndrome for called broken heart syndrome and it's actually a diagnosis. I didn't know that until this. Um, but I guess every single mother that's lost a child ends up with that broken heart syndrome. Um, and, and all I can think of is Carrie Fisher, the actress, passed away. Mm-hmm. And her mother died like in the same week. Mm-hmm. And I think her mother probably died of a broken... I mean, of course she was elderly, but she, she died of a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. I get it. And the family said that, like, that's something that the family actually said at her time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people um, end up to the point of, they end up with digestive issues Mm -hmm. um, because you're constantly, your stomach is constantly feels like there's a knot in it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of that is if you don't have a good support system, oh, those are the people that this book needs to reach because if you don't have a good support system, you're, you were really are alone. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, not only my family, but my incredible, I I am so blessed with friends in my world Mm -hmm. and they've always been available to me, you know, if I needed something. However, some of them have lost children. And when you don't want to go talk to people about it because you don't want to make your pain take a preference to their pain. Because they're still living with it, right. with their own pain. Right. So I don't like to, I don't want to make things that I'm feeling be like, oh my gosh, I feel this lousy. And then they're sitting there thinking in their head, are you kidding me? I know exactly how you feel, but really, do we have to sit here and talk about your loss? I, and maybe they don't feel that way, but that's the way my brain was working. Um, and I'm sure most of them don't because they've all said, you know, whatever you need, you want to talk, whatever. Um and then you realize too, it's like, <laughs> it's like when you have the flu, you notice everybody that has the flu. <laughs> when you lose a child, you notice how many people have lost children. And you just think it's not supposed to happen this way. It's not supposed to happen this way. But, you know, life does happen and don't ever think it can't happen to you. Um, of course, we, nobody wants to go through life of fearful and the the weird thing is is this is the child that was this was my child that would take on anything like tackle the world he was um the life of the party he was the kid that everybody went to um i mean he was 29 he was my kid he was an adult but he was my kid and everybody went to him i remember sitting on my back porch and everybody sitting there going how are we going to get music off our phones? And I'm looking at them thinking, what? And it's because my son always did the music on their phones. He arranged all the parties. He had people's credit cards in his wallet because 
they would send him to go shopping for them. Yeah. Jeff was, Jeff was the planner. He was the neat freak beyond, you'll never meet a, 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 any male that's a, was a neat freak like my son. <laughs> I'm, I, and they'll, and if you ask any single person that knows him, they'll tell you that he was such uh, one time. I remember he came home from Rochester and my youngest son came home from school and said, Jeff was here today. Wasn't he? I said, how did you know that? And he goes, look at the table. Everything's lined up. <laughs> so there's that order again, you know, another type A personality. He was definitely my clone. <laughs> well, you um, had five years. I mean, just the two of you. It was exactly. And, you know, I always say if she can see it, she can be it. If he can see it, he can be it. You know. Exactly. We are. I mean, parents are very influential on in their children. And they're even more absolutely. influential when it's just the two of them. So exactly. having grown up with a single mother, I, I get that. Like you watch things so much more attentively because it's just you two. I just always apologize to his friends. I'm like, I'm so sorry. He was such a <laughs> freak. And his poor girlfriend, I'm always like, I always used to say, I'm so sorry, Morgan. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, she didn't have to, I mean, he, and he loved to cook. He did all the cooking. And of course he worked in, um, the service industry. So he, uh, he loved to cook. He should have gone to culinary school, mm-hmm. but uh, no, he, he went to St. John Fisher and went for anthropology, mm-hmm. started off in sports management. I'm still <laughs> convinced there was a girl in the class for anthropology, but my, my husband and I are both certain of that, but you know, things, I mean, his life was going great and uh, somebody even said to me, did he commit suicide? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> His yeah. life was exactly where he needed it to be. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the pain that I felt from those things, I can't even imagine a mom who has lost their child to suicide, the pain they go through without, even though you get, even though you get answers from uh, a toxicology mm-hmm. or an autopsy, mm-hmm. you don't get the answers of why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you don't get that opportunity. Yeah. And I cannot imagine God bless them because I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Um, and I, I've been in touch with a couple of people, actually one woman on Facebook, uh, I saw on a post cause there's a lot of grief sites on Facebook. Um, I'm not, I, I'm, and they're great for people. I, I don't want to, it's just not, it didn't, it wasn't a good fit for me mm-hmm. because I think that what happens is that, yes, we all want to help and we say we identify and yes, we agree, but it's not helping people understand that they're the feelings that go in. It's talking about the, the actual event more than it is talking about the feelings of what you feel. Um, which I think when you talk about those feelings with people, which is why I wrote this book, it helps you ident- say, oh, yeah, that, yes, she's got it. That's right. That's right. Um, I've had mothers that I've never met have read this book and have reached out to me. And I mean, I get messages through Facebook and I'm like, who is this person? And then they're like, thank you so much for writing this book. Yeah. yeah. You, I actually, there's one woman, um, I won't say a name or anything, but I didn't know her and she lost two sons 
And um, she's been reading my book. And up till this point, she's kind of been stuck and not wanting to engage or re-enter life. And the first one was back in the early 2000s. And the next one was the early, you know, like 2010s. So imagine spending that much time in grief and not feeling like you identify with anybody. And she said, she uses this book as a reference point and rereads it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that it's helped her. I didn't know her. I still don't know her. I've never spoken to her. Um, it's just the feedback that I've gotten. And I'm, that's why I did it. You know, um, that and to help people who haven't lost kids understand. Yeah, it's real. Because let me tell you, like the work situation as I said, it affects every single person in your world. And you can't expect as a mom that's grieving, it might take four or five years before you're really ready to engage in life. What, at what point is everybody in your world supposed to continue to pick up slack at work when you can't go in? How many days do you get to call off? You know, those are things that we don't think about because we're so deep in the grief, Mm -hmm. but it affects our friends, our workplace, um, people that we run into, um, you know, just certain things that you don't think about and you have to eventually, and that's, I write about this in the book about how to go about it. You need to have communication with the people in your world that are directly affected by your grief. Um, Otherwise, Nobody's going to want to be around you. First yeah, of all. yeah. I, and you know, I, I again, I have friends that have lost family members, and um, it, it, it it's about patience. And I, Absolutely. you know, that that's really what it has to come down to. And I I love the chapter, and, and we'll wrap it up um, with this. Uh, and I would encourage people to, to we've hardly touched the surface of this book, and I would encourage people to to grab this book, if not anything for this particular chapter. And I, and I touched on it earlier in our discussion, but it's the dumb things people say. And it, and it, it, it doesn't, as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter what, um, how, how do I say this the way I want to, Clearly, when you lose somebody, you're even, even, I guess what I was trying to say is even when you expect it, even, even when somebody is ill and, and you expect it, then it doesn't matter that that's how they died. Exactly. It, it, they are gone. Presence is gone from your life. And because of that, you're sad or you're angry or you're, you know, lost or whatever the word is that you feel. And some people cry and some people like me just stand there dumbfounded over the fact that how could, how could God take this person away from me? Like, I just, I wasn't ready. And it does, like I said, it doesn't matter the longevity of their life or if they were sick or their age or whatever, they were taken away from me or you or whoever. And so 
I won't give this chapter away because I think it's a great reference area. <laughs> um, and I think people should buy the book. If, if Your story is, is incredible and the fact that you shared so much of it and would really bring, um, would really bring some sense of I'm not alone, which was the purpose of your book, uh, to other people's lives. But, but those dumb things that people say, and as you said earlier, it's never from a place of trying to be hurtful or harmful. Never. You know, you, you, yes, of course you know that. But there are times that I have just wanted to <laughs> say, if I hear one more person say this, I, I'm uh -huh. going you know, to scream. Like, yep. you know, I would never say that to somebody. And so that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so I would encourage people, if not for anything else, to get the book and dig into Carrie's journey and learn from the message and the the vineyard that she has planted here as a reference. The, the, this influence is huge, Carrie. But it, as I said, you know, to learn how you can be a better friend, a better person, and stand by somebody's side and not say some of these things. Uh, that's, in my opinion, hugely helpful <laughs> because. Um, it, it, again, it, it's never from a place of, of meaning any harm, but it that does it in the moment that you're in when your emotions are in 15 million different places at any given time, you really don't need to hear things like, Are you moving forward? and uh, are you over it? Are yet? you over Please don't it? Ever yeah, ask yeah, that. right, those <laughs> kinds of things. And so, read that chapter and flag that chapter and go back to that chapter when you have a friend that loses a family member or a, you know, a friend of a friend that loses somebody. It's just, it's a really, to me, um, as I mentioned, started to mention earlier, I've often said, What is the right thing to say? And, right. Um, and, and it's never going to be they're in a better place or, <laughs> or right. um, are things God's back, will or yeah, God's plan you or, know are things back to normal those are the things that I know to to never say right. because um, well the other thing I would the other one thing I would ask people not to do is please don't ask any mother how their child died mm -hmm. if you're in a close relationship with somebody and you're close enough to them that they, you already know how they passed away. Um, it don't, because what you do is when you ask that, although it's not meant, you're just, it's human nature to be curious. It truly is. However, all you do when you ask a mom that they have to relive it mm -hmm. and they have to relive that day and they have to, re and, and it takes every ounce of energy to get through every day without thinking about it. Because there's things that, I mean, I've gotten to the point where it's just so methodical for me to say it. It's almost without emotion because I, I think about it all the time. Mm -hmm. So when you bring that up to somebody, especially like I was at a, I was at a book fair and um, somebody asked me and then all of a sudden the tears well because it takes you right back there. So just think about that. Also, it doesn't matter how people die. And I, and I do talk about that in the book. It doesn't matter how people die. Their heart stopped. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and yes, sometimes it gives a frame of reference and sometimes it's helpful. 
to get, you know, either scare people or whatever. Sometimes it's, it's good to know that, but um, it's really not that important. If you're not close to somebody, don't ask them that question. It doesn't matter. Their child's not here. Um, and I understand the curiosity, like I said, but it's just maybe think of the time and the place yeah. where you are. Yeah. And just be there. Just be there and be, yeah. you know, just like I said, um, ask if you can call. Ask if you can come over and, you know, have a cup of tea. And, and, and don't stop talking about our children. Yeah. It's not, you're not, you're not going to make us sad if you ask us um, about our children or mention their name. You're not making us sad. It what that does is it makes us know that you remember. I our think children. I read because I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's just it's people are so afraid because they don't want to hurt you. But I mean, I'll sit in a room and talk, say stuff just like I did when he was alive. Mm-hmm. I would talk about my kids. So I would. I still talk about my kids. You know. Um, you know, just funny things that are happening or remember when Jeff did this mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. and you can sit in a room where they're not my close friends. And everybody shuts right up. Mm-hmm, and that's interesting. It's like, folks, you're not reminding me that he's dead. I know he's dead. I'm very aware he's yeah. dead. <laughs> you're not reminding me. It, it's just that, you know, at, talk about my child because then I know that they're, then I know he's remembered. And that's important to my And actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to say earlier that I read um, a good friend of mine who's also a financial planner. His name is Chris Dow. He uh, runs a training service for financial planners on how we can become better at helping our clients after a grief event has taken place. And, and, and in his situation, it could be the loss of a loved one, but it could also be like the loss of a job or um, a divorce or any, any grief, you know, related situation. But he, he read, he wrote an article, a blog once about this. And he said, when you have a client that has lost, lost a family member, the best thing that you can do is go talk with them and share fun memories, memories that make you laugh, memories that make you smile. Um, you, you know, if you, if you mm-hmm. ignore the, the good things like that, um, then that actually prolongs the the grief even more because you're not re- by not bringing up those um, good memories. You're it, it's like the person feels like their loved one is forgotten. Whereas if you you bring up a, a funny or a fun memory or you know like you were talking about. Um, his neat freakness, right? So, so having a fun conversation about, oh, like, you know, something that happened around that particular event, then that actually reminds you of what a cool guy he was and how many lives exactly. he actually touched and influenced. And even though he's not here on this planet physically at this point in time, he was an influence on this planet. And Absolutely. And mattered. mattered. Yeah, well, he mattered and matters and, and continues to matter. Right, still, right. Well, and that's, um, I don't know if you read the part about the lady who hands out yeah, the angels yeah. to people. Did yeah, you read did. that part yeah. of the book? Okay. Well, I met her. I have not met her face to face. We've talked on the phone. Um, she's up here in Rochester. And I took a book over to her because she had touched my heart so greatly. Um, and, and she 
reached back to me and thanked me for memorializing her son. Even though I didn't mm-hmm. name him, I memorialized his the whole mm-hmm. event mm-hmm. in the book. She thanked me. Yeah, profusely. the angel club, right? And Is this said, the angel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she sends crystal mm-hmm. angels out out of her own pocket, pays for all the postage, everything. She sends them to the funeral homes that anybody that is in the Democrat and Chronicle in the Rochester area, she sends out, my angel number was 3,089. She's over 4,000 right now. So um, anyway, she reached out to me in the middle of December and said, Carrie, I know we've spoken, but I really, you and I need to get together. There's just something that's drawing me to you. We have to get together. She wants, we've kind of talked about what can we do for mothers Mm. in the area. So, we're going, she's trying to arrange with a pastor up here in Rochester that the two of us can go meet to, meet with, and we want to have a service, uh, a celebration of life service, not a cry mm-hmm. fest. We can, of course, cry, but it's not sit around and say, woe is me. It's memorializing our children, saying their name and telling a memory that makes us laugh and smile open. It's going to be an open thing to whoever. I said, Nancy, what happens when it gets so big? What do we do? <laughs> and she said, well, because we're going to go to a radio station up here and see if they'll, they do things in the morning free mm-hmm. advertising. So we thought that's a great way to reach people. Um, and also, of course, Facebook, et cetera. Social media is wonderful. And uh, as soon as we meet with the pastor, we wanted to do it like before mm-hmm. Lent just because it would be new beginnings for some of these moms to know, plus to see their strength in numbers. And we're all there together. And I um, I think in that same chapter, I'm trying to think, I was going to try to scroll through and find it, but wasn't that the same chapter where you talked about numbers? Oh, no, that's later on in the back of the book. Yep. About how I see the double numbers all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the reason that I'm bringing that up is because you're talking about strength in numbers. And I remember there being a part of the book where you talked about, um, because when, when I read it, I, my husband is constantly seeing 1111, oh. like he's, or 111, like those, are, that's the number, like he'll look at his phone and it'll be 1111 or the, something about 1111 with him. And so when I was reading that chapter, chapter in your book i'm like okay so here's another person <laughs> well 11 11 11 11 11 and 111 actually means when you see the ones it actually means that you're on the right path so whatever he's doing so he's on the right path whatever he's doing so, so i i was it was just it, it was ironic i guess is what i'm trying to say is that i yeah. was um reading this <laughs> section i'm like <laughs> Look, honey, 11, 11, yeah. that's your time. And one, like one 11 and he'll wake up in the middle of the night. It'll be one or, you know, that's it for, it's very interesting. And, and it's, it's specifically that a lot of times the the 11, 11 for him. It, and it, I just looked at the clock on, on here and it's uh, our recording said one, one, 11. <laughs> You're talking to me. Isn't that amazing? So, so the other thing I don't know, I just want, I know you do financial planning and stuff is that there's a a section in here about the pieces of my child's life. And I talk about some guidance that I had to learn by default, you know, called baptism by fire and the things of the taxes, um, the debt, uh, student loans. um, The fact that, you know, our state, New York is not, does not recognize domestic partnership when it comes to death. 
only for health insurance. So there's things there that are very things to think about. Um, also, you know, don't let people push you into getting farther in. So those are things that just uh, nobody guided me. Rental cars. Oh my gosh, I co-signed for my son's car, and I was I'm still driving it. And they we went round and round. And there's only one car dealership that we are aware of that will let you out of a lease. Um, and, and situations of death. Yeah, yeah, and it's not the one we're driving, <laughs> unfortunately. But well, I, I mean, the, so my aunt had that situation where her husband passed away, and he he had leased a vehicle, and the vehicle was only leased in his name, and um, and it was Toyota, and so. Um, I called them trying to help with the situation and they said, well, you know, she, the estate needs to pay for it. I said, well, there is no estate. So you have an option. I'll drop the car off at the closest dealer or you can come get it. Which would you prefer? And they sent a, you know, a letter after the fact saying, you know, well, you owe us this money. The estate owes us this money. And she's like, do I need to write them a check? And I said, there is no estate. Right. There's, there's nothing there. So, so you don't have to, but boy, I'll tell you what, they were they were adamant that she needed to that 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 lease needed to transfer over into her name, and I said, no, it doesn't. Nope. She's she doesn't want the car. You That's know, right. she doesn't have any. Your your situation, you actually co-signed I did. for it, and I had co-signed for his first one, and no problems, of course. And then the he asked me, and I said, of course I will. So I came up, and I'm, and the guy's telling me, he said, you know, if in case of death, you'd be responsible. And I looked at him, and I said, so help me God, Jeffrey, don't you dare die on me. And he goes, mom, I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry about it. It's good. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And it was like a joke between us. And then six months later, you know, so it's it. And and every time I get in that car, I get in there and I Mm -hmm. think, yep, we thought it was so funny, Jeff. But, you know, it, but it is there's a lot, there is a lot that follows that financial side that, and we always tell people, don't make a major decision within the first absolutely. year. Your brain just functioning to, you know, to, to think like that. You, you just don't make any major decisions, but some stuff you have to, right. some stuff, um, some stuff you have, like, okay, the student, you mentioned the student loans in there and, and like, you have to deal with right. that. Like, you have to tell them that your son has passed away in your situation and t- stop bugging me, right. you know? So, so um, you have to tell him not those kinds of well, things. Well, even or- RG&E, his RG&E bill, we had called and told them. I sent, I sent three copies of a death certificate to them and I continued a year and a half later to still get bills. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So at the last one I called and I blasted, I don't even know who it was that answered the phone. <laughs> I just went off and I said, Every single time I get a bill with his name on it in my mailbox, are you kidding me? So they finally stopped coming. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's no money. I don't know what you're looking mm-hmm. for. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. give you what wasn't there. And I'm not paying and for there are, And there are protections there, you know, that, again, people just don't know about it. They And certainly the creditors want. They, they don't care they who trust. pays it. They just want it paid. No, exactly. And they're ruthless. They and so... A lot of times what we will do is write a letter and specifically say, do not contact me. Cause that means that if they do, um, then they're breaching some laws that exist. So, but, but people just don't know this kind of thing and they don't think to, they don't think to call a financial planner and say, Hey, 
you know, I just lost somebody. Can you help me migrate through? And, and to be honest with you, I understand why they don't. We haven't always had the best reputation in helping people in times like that. Um, unfortunately, there's been a lot of, in the past, there has been a lot of predatory situations that have happened um, during, you know, situations like that. And, and so absolutely, it's a, it's that's a soapbox we won't get on today and probably could be on your <laughs> podcast because there are, there is a lot of uh, when somebody is going through any kind of major emotional change in it's unfortunate that um, that there are people out there that use that to to their benefit and so right. in times of grief that's been that's been known to happen. There's good and bad everywhere. There is. Yeah, there is. So, well, Carrie, thank you so much for... Thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. I I don't know if you know that this is um, on Amazon. Yes. I was going to mention that for people that are interested in the book, uh, you can get the book on Amazon. We, um, We would like to give away one book to um, a listener that, um, that, after listening to this podcast, the first person that reaches out to us, we want to we wanna send a copy of the book to the listeners, but to one of our lucky listeners. But yes, indeed, just um, tag me in the show notes of this podcast that you're interested in a free copy of this book that we have. And um, uh, if I'll you- let you know also that part of the proceeds of this are going to be going to uh, Camp Heartstrings. It's a camp in Rochester for kids who are, have lost siblings or parents. Wonderful. It's, it's a non, um, there's no charge for it, for the camp. So um, it's done through the Pittsburgh Youth uh, Organization. And it's held in July, I believe, every year. And um, they have social workers there and et cetera. And there's a limit on how many kids they can take. Oh, sure, sure. And a lot of that is because the camp is free. Yeah. So, um, so the more that can be funded, the more people can go. Exactly. So I said, well, it can help people in that respect too. So, um, you know, cause yeah, those it, kids need help. We so. will post the link to the book that's available on Amazon. There's the Kindle version and the paperback version. Uh, we ordered the paperback version so that we would have a, a copy to give away to one of our listeners, as I mentioned, but, um, yes, you can go out if, you, if you're searching for it. The book is called Never Alone in the Darkness, The Shared Journey of Losing a Child. The author is Carrie. And you, you should search Carrie A. Gibson uh, right. uh, because there are, as another author, Carrie Gibson. So search Carrie A. Gibson. Again, we'll post the link in the show notes. We'll also post her, um, her Facebook page uh, for, for anybody that is looking to um, get some support from that perspective. Absolutely. And uh, Carrie, again, we just appreciate uh, you being on the show. Well, thank you, Amy. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.